0: Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSESports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.
1: Yes. It actually has.
2: <laughs> uh, I've kinda my way around. I, I don't know what to say. We have not to
1: I know, since you and I last spoke, we've picked up a sponsor.
2: Wow, well, Dad Zeus, that's great. Right. I will use our sponsor every day.
1: Are you re- you're really doing a bit here super hard, aren't you? Who me? No. Is it? Is there? Is there like a huge delay right now for you? I don't think so. Oh, okay, I couldn't tell if you were if you were delaying for the bit or if you were delaying because of a delay.
2: Who me? Delay?
1: Ah. No. <sighs> Well, we don't have any time to delay Wes Bradshaw on the newest episode of the Foreign Affair Podcast. It's episode 114, and there's like 80,000 transfers we have to get to. Hi, everyone. I'm Edward Green here for the Foreign Affair. OMG! Yay! We're going to be joining you here on the Foreign Affair Podcast, presented by NGSC Sports. And our latest sponsor, I'm Next USA. Are you next? You might be. Or you might not be, but you'll never know unless you join. I'm Next Generation. Go to i'mnextusa.com to see if you're the next Michael Jordan, Beyonce, Jimi Hendrix, Will Smith, or other.
2: I always knew I was the best. Beyonce. You you
1: you had you had a certain single ladiesness about you.
2: Well, someone liked it, so someone put a ring on it.
1: That's true. Someone did put a ring on it, and someone's going to put a ring, well, if they give out rings for soccer, on a bunch of players coming up here in just about four days' time. But before we get to your 2016 finals, Wes, we got to recap the quarters and... One of the semifinals that have been played so far. We'll also uh, give our, you know, our Premier League team gr- team grades from the uh, 2015-16 season that we still haven't quite finished yet. We'll be doing teams 10 through 6 today, as well as uh, hitting the news and notes, which is quite extensive. Um, and we'll be then finishing up with Watch 4 and So Raw. And if you want to jump in on the conversation with us, you can hit us up on the Twitter at AFA Pod at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green Wes. Uh, is there a particular Euro twenty sixteen match you want to start with?
2: Well, I guess since we're not going to talk about the round of sixteen, which I'm sure you did last week. Yes, I Too did. bad I wasn't around for that one, huh? It's true. Oh shucks. Uh, quarterfinals. God, where do we kick it off? Um. Uh, let's, um. Hey, let's stick with those crazy Welsh.
1: Oh yeah, let's start with them
2: oh, They kind of broke you and I They, they broke our picks yeah. let's, start, let's start
1: there Happier times for the Welsh As they uh, had a big 3-1 win over Belgium I don't know if you can actually call them a dark horse anymore Now they're just kind of dark and out of the tournament uh, It down course, I guess. yeah, Rajon England, with his second goal of the tournament, opened things up early with an absolute howitzer beating uh, the Welsh keeper Wayne Hennessy, but Wales responded with an Ashley Williams goal the first time he has ever smiled ever. Ashley Williams, the Swansea man, came through in the thirty first minute, and then Hal Robson canoe won it for Wales in the fifty fifth minute before Sam Vokes put it away in the 86th with Belgium chasing the game and Wes, jubilation for Wales their first semi-final in your uh any international major tournament whereas for the Belgians another disappointing quarterfinal end after the uh the disappointing uh finish in the 2014 World Cup
2: I'm gonna tell you I really think of the media Belgium Belgium may have been lucky to be the team that got beat by kind of the tournament sweethearts yeah because uh, that kept people from really just tearing this Belgian team a new one. Mm-hmm. And if they did, I didn't happen to see it. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they kind of got off a little light on this.
1: They got off easier uh, than England.
2: England. Is that a country?
1: Wow. <laughs> sort of.
2: Wow. Oh, those those, those plucky minnows. Yeah. Uh, let's start off, you know, all, all congratulations to the Welsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... You know, this was a year in particular that it it worked for Wales. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what happened in the Premier League. You know, a team that wasn't star studded, uh, that had great team spirit, that just played very well as a as a group, uh, as the as a whole, to some of their parts. Leicester goes and wins the Premier League, and then Wales. Now, the, now, granted, Wales had a major superstar. Yes, could be wrong there, but you know, other than Gareth Bale, other than Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, and you know, if you're a big soccer fan, you say, uh, you know, uh, we Joe Allen. (laughs) Who else the hell does anyone really know on Wales?
1: Yeah, I mean, we know Ashley Williams because of Swansea, we know Ben Davis because of Tottenham, but that's. I mean, that's really when you once you start digging into it, you know. Sam Vokes played in the championship last season with Burnley. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Canoe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, he got released. Yeah. Yeah. He, he right now he is a man without a team.
1: I I believe as uh, as John Champion mentioned in today's uh, telecast of the Wales Portugal game, that will probably be changing soon.
2: Yes, I wouldn't think that'd be changing. I mean, here's a guy who you know. He's a Welsh hero, and you know doesn't even have a team right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was a group that was built on the collective. Yes, they did have the talisman of talismans in uh, in Gareth Bale, but um, you know it was it was just an incredible, incredible run by this team. And of course, we'll get to their semifinal in a moment. So we'll talk a little more about Wales, Belgium.
3: Hmm. Sweet
2: Jesus. You know, Ed, we've seen it before uh, here in the United States. We've seen it on uh, college basketball teams; they're usually called Kentucky. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know we, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it on NBA teams. Uh, we've seen it uh, for all of our fans in Philadelphia. Remember when Vince Young called you guys the Dream Team Ooh. You six and ten? Ooh. Yeah, you know, we've seen it in New York Yankee teams. Hell, we've seen it in Boston Red Sox teams. Mm -hmm. Just because you have the best collection of talent Mm -hmm. does not always mean that that talent can gel and come together and play together as a team. And I'm going to tell you, if I'm a Belgium fan today, I'm just sick to my stomach over this tournament. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, yes they had some good moments don't get me wrong they had a few good matches but i think they really underperformed and even with their underperforming they found themselves in the group you know in the knockout group where hell they can make a run easily mm. they were oh, yeah. probably be- definitely the best team in their group well best collection of players in their group yeah um you know all the big boys—the the France, the Italy, the Germany, um, the Iceland—they're all in the—they're <laughs> all in the bottom bracket. You know, Iceland basically getting a final sixteen bye, by all means. Yeah. Um, you know it was all set up for the dark horse to finally show up and run the big race, and instead they broke down coming around the second turn.
1: Yeah, just very, very surprising, you know, the, Jan Vertonghen was hurt for this match, uh, did not play, but still, I mean, this is an absolutely loaded Belgium team, and I think you're right, Wes, the the draw, a a, a Belgian team that did not even win their group, a the team we had picked to win their group, did not win their group, and somehow still got the better part of the draw. If you... Italy won their group, and then Italy would have had to go through Spain, Germany, and France to make the finals. Belgium finishes second and gets put in the quote unquote easier side of the bracket and gets this nice little gift and then just craps the bed. And I I, I don't get why this keeps happening to Belgium, but then you look at it, you know, Edna Zard didn't have a great season this year. Romolo Lukaku, great talent. I don't remember the last time he's ever come up big in a meaningful moment. Um, You know, the the back line was solid, but it it just didn't work out for him. I think you had guys playing out of position for a lot of it. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of this falls on Warpig, Mark Wilmotts, And that's a shame because we love him. But this is a Belgium team that should be better. And for whatever reason, they're not.
2: I mean, when you're sitting on a worldly talent like Marilyn
1: and Oh,
2: God. And you become once again another manager who has no idea how the hell to use that guy.
1: Well, and that's a guy who should have actually been on late, and and, and he just and they wasn't used effectively. He's used again as this sort of like holding midfielder, and I don't understand. Uh,
2: um, at the end of the day, I personally, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't heard if it's happened. I don't think it has. I think Wilmot needs to pay for this with his job.
1: Th- that's harsh but probably fair
2: I mean he's had multiple opportunities now they've gone in as the quote you know the the, the savvy better has loved them for the last two big tournaments and, and you they... know we say
1: that we, we've we said sorry but we said that they were kind of the dark horses tournament I think that's that's maybe overstating things a little bit they were a dark horse in 2014 they should have been really I think considered one of the favorites in this tournament and I think that makes it even worse and, and I agree with your point on that
2: um, so, you know, I'll say this, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Wilmots get one more chance with the world cup cycle coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if he's going to the world cup as your manager, he needs to, well, basically your, your country is semifinals or bust. Yeah. At the least. With this group.
1: Absolutely. Least.
2: So you know, if you want to give Wilmots another chance, that's fine. But he's got to know his head's on the chopping block come World Cup time, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be all coming down to that one. Uh, I mean, the other day it's it's a, another disappointing day for the Belgians. Um, and I mean that that just that just kind of sums up their tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they got to the quarterfinals, but I mean that was the absolute least I was expecting from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while England disappointed in their own special way yes. I, I do think at the end of the day this Belgian team was was more talented than yes. than that English club and ended up in what we thought was a better bracket.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean let's let's be real here. Had England even gotten past Iceland uh, knowing the final four teams in the bottom half of that bracket that were in the quarters, uh, there they would have been easily the least. Uh, likely team to advance to the finals from those four so even even if they had gotten to the quarterfinals after that you could have reasonably seen england going out at any point belgium though this this, no they they should have with this draw and with all due respect to the rest of the teams on that half of the bracket belgium should be in the finals
2: absolutely big disappointment and uh do better belgium
1: yeah do better do better than Poland did, because they also lost in the quarterfinals. Uh, for the second straight match in the knockout stage, Poland went to penalties. And this time, the Russian roulette was not as kind to them. They lose to Portugal 5-3. Uh, the miss coming for Poland from Jacob Blaskowski. This comes after Poland, of course, had beaten Switzerland in their first knockout stage match and penalties. And uh, I will say this, just to tie it in a little bit more to Wales-Belgium. I think these two being played back-to-back, uh, really, sh- different days, but back-to-back days, really show the difference in team strategies. Poland, once they scored and then got equalized by Renato Sanchez, who becomes the youngest Portuguese player ever to score a goal in Euros, suck it, Ronaldo. Um, they, Poland basically... Yeah, whatever. The, he Poland basically said, okay... Let's play for penalties. Maybe we'll score on a counterattack. Maybe. But we're going to play for penalties. Wales went a goal down to Belgium and said, fuck it. We're going to go win this game. And they went out and tried to actually beat Belgium. Poland gets what they deserve. They kind of did it against Switzerland. And they did it even more against Portugal. I, I feel, as much as I you know don't particularly care for Portugal... Poland got exactly what they deserved in this match. You keep playing with fire. You keep trying to play for draws and, and penalties. And this is what happens. Poland, I thought, uh, was a good team. Not a great team, but a good team with a great striker. Kind of like a, a, a lesser version of Wales. But I think at some point, you're in the quarterfinals of Euro 2016. Go for it. Try to win the match. Don't sell for penalties. I thought it was awfully cynical. And at the end of the day, again, they got what they deserved.
2: Well, unfortunately for Poland, they do still still somewhat suffer from a small, more of a smaller country mentality. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not talking San Marino here or anything, but, you know, I mean, they are a team, even with a guy like Lewandowski and with some other really good players on the field, I think Poland's idea was always to get a goal and defend like hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, they, I think they probably felt a little confident after their round of 16, like, well, hey, you know what? We, uh, we went to penalties. We got the job done. You know what? Maybe it'll work for us again. Um, and, and that is a little negative when it comes to trying to advance, especially in tournament play.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that, that is somewhat of a negative on you. It's worked for some teams. For Poland, it didn't. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm not quite as cynical on them, but uh, I do think they kind of got you know. You know when you like you said you played the Russian roulette. The way I say, it, if you play with fire, eventually you get burned. Mm-hmm. And you know they 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 caught it and they're out of the tournament. But you know what, a quarterfinal appearance for Poland. I don't think they're uh, I don't think they're too upset with that.
1: No, and a team that is definitely not upset with their quarterfinal appearance, that is Iceland, even with the drubbing they received from France in the quarterfinals it was a 5-2 loss to send one of the other tournament darlings out of the tournament a brace for Olivier Giroud still I think the sixth best striker on France uh was sandwiched goals by Paul Pogba Dimitri Payet and Antoine Griezmann uh for those five coming in the first half to put the game away for France and uh you know the
2: Griezmann goal was just
1: Spectacular. Yeah, there's they, some special talent on this team, and you know this is, you know, Belgium, a team with a lot of promise, and and they didn't come through France some some shaky moments early in this tournament, but West they may be rounding into form at just the right time.
2: Uh, it looks like it, um Looks like uh, the champs finally figured out just get the hell out of the way. Yeah. The players on the field and let them play. Crazy
1: that that worked.
2: Yeah, you know. Um, And and another scary thing for people to think about, and this is an interesting uh, thought for DeChamp, is as right now, if you're listening to this podcast, this match is probably either going on or has already been played. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, France had a couple of starters, guys who had started the entire tournament, that missed this match due to suspension, Mm -hmm. uh, due to yellow card accumulation. Um, You know, one of them... Uh, I cannot remember his name. He's a center back. Uh, Umtiti ended up, the young uh, Umtiti, the new Barcelona signing, mm-hmm. ended up coming in starting this match. And I thought he played pretty well. Yes, he did. Uh, basically making his uh, tournament debut. God, um, yeah, if I could remember the big Frenchman who was suspended. All I know is every time I saw France, this guy was just like demolishing people very illegally. Oh. <laughs> but but I, I wonder if. The champ's going to have some questions, you know, about who does he go to because, like we said, well, uh, and the bigger one in Gola Conte uh, was suspended for this past match. You know, do you go back to Conte Mm -hmm. because this was probably the best that Francis looked the
3: entire tournament.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just offensively very solid. And, And, you know, you can say, you know, to an extent that is you know as much as we love them that is that is a bit iceland uh i think iceland did did very well and you know i think iceland also kind of kind of sort of played to win they they went out especially after going a goal down they did try to chase the game they did try to get a goal back and that left them uh very very susceptible to the counter which um, Olivier Giroud and the rest of his running mates ran to absolute perfection multiple times in that first half, and that's why uh, France was able to break through. But yeah, I, I I think that this is this is this the the problem for Dechamps here, and of course we're either going to look like geniuses or idiots at this point, as you guys listen to this. But it it, it seems like he's he I, I think you put it best. He decided, hey, I'm just going to put my best eleven out there and see what happens. And and I think that's the best-case scenario for him, but I think that does mean Conte has to go back out there.
2: I would believe Conte would. Um, but, you know, now the thing is, too, you know, with Iceland, you can kind of just roll that dice and say, I'm just going to put my best 11 out there, and I feel confident that we'll find enough ways to win. hmm yeah, This is Germany, though. Yes. And even though this is a hobbled, beaten-up Germany right now, mm-hmm. Um, that's still Germany. <laughs> that's yeah. the world champions you're playing. So, you know, I think the champ going to have to be a little smarter this match, have to really figure out what he wants to do, have a really good game plan going in. Because no matter how well France are playing right now, sorry to be a broken record, that's still Germany that you're playing.
1: <laughs> that's true.
2: Um, so it's, uh, I think, I think we could, uh, we're could we going to be in for a, uh, a battle of wits in the semifinal. That could be scary between those two
1: guys. Absolutely. Jurgilo, when he's not sniffing his balls, he is absolutely a man on the touchline who knows how to guide this German team. And he had to make some big adjustments responding to Italy's three-man back line with a back three of his own. And it helped in a 1-1 victory For the Germans in penalties and maybe one of the worst penalty shootouts I've ever seen in my life between two great (laughs) countries. Uh, A combined seven misses between them. Uh, But eventually Germany won 6-5. So that's all that matters.
2: You know know my favorite stab on that one? What's that? Um, that? In that shootout, Germany, in just that shootout, missed more. Uh, penalty shootout kicks than they have since in anything since nineteen eighty two.
1: Yeah, they're really good so that, at that they
2: no that they have combined since nineteen eighty
1: two. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. I think well they missed two?
1: Uh they missed three. Schweinsteiger, Mueller, and Ozel all missed.
2: And they had only missed two in the last uh thirty some years.
1: Yeah. So. so
2: and then they still found a way to win. God, that Schweinsteiger miss was literally Wow,
1: the Schweinsteiger miss was bad. The Zaza miss was hilarious.
2: You can see a career ending right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But the, the Zaza miss, that was. Oh, that the, was next level. That was, that was amazing.
2: That was, and then my favorite thing is today I find out yeah Toure is about to sell his ass yeah. for sure about the horse. Yeah.
1: Yay! Good for whoever's getting him. Um, but but Germany beats Italy. You know, Wes. That we didn't get to talk about this last week. But Italy kind of became, you know, one of the surprises of this tournament. They beat Spain. They sent Vicente del Bosque to his grave, uh, and, and it looked like you know maybe Italy could get through. Then they get the uh, the lifeline penalty when Jerome Boateng threw his hands in the air as if there were no repercussions. Unfortunately, there was, and Leonardo Bonucci made the penalty. Uh, to to level things at one one, and and you thought well maybe maybe that's it. Germany had never beaten Italy in in an official match, in a competition, and and here they go again. But Germany found a way to win, and are we looking at potentially not again knowing the result of the second semifinal match? Are we looking at a German brace in major tournaments now? <sighs>
2: I believe if they were fully healthy, mm-hmm. that they would be the favorite going in and out against France. But I think the loss of Mario Gomez, as weird as it is to say, hey God, Mario Gomez, he's literally the only out-and-out striker that they have. Yes. Um, yeah, that's one thing. Of all the great players that Germany's produced in the last decade, mm-hmm. no really good strikers.
1: Hey, there's Andre Schurl.
2: He's not really a striker, though.
1: That's true. Yeah.
2: He's more of an attacking and he's, he's, he's also not that great. A plethora of fantastic midfielders, some great defenders, obviously the best ki- guy. They might be the best goal pr- goalkeeper-producing mm-hmm. nation in the world, but just no real strikers. And now Gomez looking to miss the rest of the tournament. You know, they're going to have to play somewhat of a false nine, which is how they won the World Cup, actually, was playing a false nine. Mm-hmm. Um, But you know, at that time too Mario Goodson was playing really good football And right now he's just He sucks right now mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, the Germans are I think the Germans are in a little bit of trouble uh, And I think right now France is your clear favorite in that match
1: Yes, although we do all remember What happened the last time Germany Played a host country in the semifinals Of a major competition It didn't go well for the host country But these are these are different countries. France may be a little better than that Brazilian side.
2: Um, to uh, you know, if 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 France were having to play like Brazil, that would mean that uh, they did not have a Griezmann up front. Yeah. And um, at the back, they were missing uh, basically like two two central defenders.
1: <laughs> yeah, Kachelny, Sagna. Off you go.
2: So it's Kachelny and Sagna. Uh, Both gone. Uh, That's kind of like losing um, uh, uh, Tiago Silva, who looks like a Tiago Silva. That's it. With a little fat lady boy. By the way, something's wrong there. France, so good. Their back line is such crap.
1: Yeah, it's gotten better as the tournament's gone on, but it's not very good.
2: When you're starting Bakari, Sonya, and Patrice Evra. Yeah. I mean, but, hey, it's working for him. Congratulations, it's working for him. That's just, oh, that just blew me away. Of course, France has been pretty much killed at the back by injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Mamadou Sako. Uh, did he dope? Did he not dope? Is he in trouble? Is he not in trouble? Whatever.
1: It's fine. Uh, so that lights it up for the semifinal, and, of course, we'll talk about that one next week as it's being played right now. Wes, we do have a semifinal to talk about, and that was Portugal-Wales. Two goals in the span of four minutes. Spells doom for the Welsh. Uh, they were without Aaron Ramsey, which turned out to be a very big blow for them. Helped them uh, control the midfield through a lot of their matches. Did not get that today. And in what was a kind of boring affair outside the two goals, Portugal does go through, Wes, and, uh, and and the dream ends for the Welsh.
2: Well, I guess uh, everything's worked out this summer because uh, the two top players arguably in the world have made it to the final of their respective tournament. Yes. Um, and now I guess we get to see if Ronaldo gets a trump card over Messi. Uh, <clears throat> the only difference where Messi was an overwhelming favorite and lost, I think Ronaldo's going to be an overwhelming underdog.
1: Yes, no matter whether it's Germany or France, I, w- I would agree with that.
2: Uh, but, I mean, Edley. as much as you don't like him personally, as much as I don't like him personally, all all props go to Cristiano Ronaldo today. That header, I mean, it was like somebody, it, it was like he was being picked up by a hydraulic lift and just held up in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anybody not on the basketball court have that kind of hang time. And then he uh, crunches in the, the header to give him the lead. Um, the really nice assist later, maybe even nicer by the fact that Nani of all people actually put the ball in the net. It was a bit, it Uh,
1: was a bit of a, it was a bit of a chessist.
2: No no matter how much he tried to miss it, Nani somehow found the back of the net. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: at, at the end of the day, Portugal were just more talented than Wales. And, um. Also, you know, I think Portugal are kind of getting that little bit of yeah, I think they're kinda of like Wales Light with okay. better talent. You know, I think um, <clears throat> I think they really rally around Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. Um yeah, you know, the thing is they could they could fall apart because of him because, you know, just the way his personality is. Mm-hmm. But those guys, when they put on the Portugal shirt, they choose. They're like, you know what? We know he's our best player. So we're, you know, we're not going to try to fuck this up just to be assholes. (laughs) So they go out and they play well. And they play well enough to win. They get the two goals today. They're going through, uh, once again, a good effort by Wales. They just just couldn't find any end result today. Um, Bale... Kind of resorted to taking thirty-five yard shots, trying to yeah, you know, trying to score golazos to get them back in it, and it just it just wasn't happening. Uh, Portugal did a good job of squeezing it off and uh, and coming out with a victory. So you know, congratulations to the Portuguese. Uh, they advanced to their first Euro final since two thousand four. Where you, you know what? Ed, as we say, they're going to be big underdogs. They could completely reverse what happened in two thousand four when they went into the final as overwhelming favorites against a very unfancy Greek Greek team, and the Greeks ended up beating them. Yes. So they're, they're kind of going to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. So uh, just maybe maybe a little something to keep in the back of your head going into this final.
1: And uh, with, this, uh, with this victory, this was Portugal's first victory of Euro 2016. They have made it to the finals without, with winning one match.
2: that's that's just that's just how tournament play works out sometimes finishing and finishing third in the group
1: yes six games one win finals
2: and no matter what sport the wild card is alive and well
1: yes it is thank thank you major league baseball for that
2: Thank thank you baseball because uh in no other tournament would they have qualified
1: Exactly. Um so again, Portugal will be in the final that will be this Sunday and uh, we will recap that as well as the Germany France semifinal which is going on right about now for you guys. Um we'll you about that and that is sure to be an epic epic match. Hopefully it'll be better than the one they played in the 2014 World Cup in the quarters which was not very good. Um All right, Wes, uh let's do our let's do our team grades for the Premier League. Let's let's shift back cuz it is
2: about <laughs> a Considering that all Premier League teams pretty much started camp this
1: week. Yes, I feel like it's appropriate to recap teams 10 through 6 in the Premier League. Number 10, the team that at one point almost we were gleefully thinking could get relegated. They fired their manager and oh yeah, they happen to be the defending Premier League champions. We're talking of none other than Chelsea Football Club. Uh, after their 12-win season, 50 points on the dot. Not a great title defense. They will not be playing European football next year under new head coach Antonio Conte. Uh, Goose uh has been bandied about after his... Somewhat all right job with that Chelsea team after Jose Mourinho was fired. Um, maybe is a future USMNT coach. Maybe a future England coach. Who knows? Uh, but Wes, what grade, more importantly, are you giving Chelsea's 2015-16 season?
2: I mean, the only grade you can give them is an F. That's it, yeah. I mean, the, I, I don't see how you can... I mean, I guess you can say, well, you know, they did turn around second half of the season. But there should have been no need for a second half of the yeah. season turnaround. turn around. I mean, this was a group that completely imploded from the inside, uh, you know, in the first half of the season, which is basically what spelled their entire season. Uh, I believe they said uh, Mourinho, what was it, Mourinho lost more matches in the first half of this season than like, maybe like his previous three seasons combined or something.
1: Yeah, I think he already, he beat like his, the most matches he'd ever lost in any season period.
2: Yeah, I mean, that all happened, like, before Christmas. So it was uh, it was a terrible, terrible, no good no good year. Um, going on to the pitch, the man who personified that the most was the defending uh, uh, Premier League Player of the Year, uh, Eden Hazard, who uh, up until, what was it, up until the end of April, uh, you and I were tied with him for goals on the season. In the I think so, yes. Uh, I mean, Woody ended up scoring maybe two goals the entire season, and they were both late in the year. Yeah, two or three. Uh, he was absolutely just rotten this year. Um, and it didn't get much better around him. Uh, the infighting was nonstop. Diego Costa, when he was healthy, he was a psychopath. Um and then he was hurt most of the time. Yes, you know, not a great sophomore campaign in the in the perimeter for him. Um, Seth Fabergas was in the center of a ton of controversy. He stunk this year. Uh, Kurt Zuma went down early with injury. He missed the entire season. That forced that back line to have to sh- have to play the shuffle game. Uh, the John Terry saga. You know that took its toll. Is Terry good enough to play? Eh, not really, but we've got to have him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they were just bad. You know, other than really, other than William this year, mm-hmm. there was no real bright spot. Thibaut Courtois took a uh, took a step back as a keeper this year, and I'm gonna tell you, I think a lot of his carried over into the European the Euros as well. He stunk in Europe. Um, so just a rotten year from him. And that, that's the word that describes this Chelsea season is just rotten. Mm-hmm. They they were just, they were all around bad. Yeah. They somewhat salvaged, didn't finish 10th, but for Chelsea finishing 10th, that's like everyone else finishing 17th. Yeah. You know, yeah, you avoid the drop, but this is about as bad as it gets. Um, yeah. So,
3: I mean, that's
1: my grade on Chelsea. They, they sucked. I, I literally have nothing to add there because that's, that's exactly everything I would say. Easy F. Uh, no FA Cup run, no Capital One Cup run. Uh, bounced in the, uh, the round of 16 in, uh, in the Champions League, which I think they were even fortunate to make it, uh, that with, with how they played. Um, and, and and deservedly, no European football for them next season. So uh, I would
2: say that the absolute best moment of the season for Chelsea was when the final whistle of the 38th game sounded.
1: No, I know what the best moment for them was it was, it was when they beat Tottenham in, in match 37 or
2: 36. <laughs> Let's, that, uh, no, I, I still think the end of the season was better. It might have been. <laughs> It's over. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to go any further.
1: Uh, well, well, another team. But, but that said,
2: with now with uh, with Antonio Conte coming in, obviously they've already made some signings. I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, you got to expect a bounce back from Chelsea. So that's the only thing that kind of sucks is, damn it, the season's over, and now they're probably getting back to being better.
1: Yeah, a lot of teams might be doing that. Uh, at ninth place was Stoke City, one point ahead of Chelsea. Uh, West I think Stoke was a team that you know played some very good football at parts of the year. Uh, Marko Arnautovic was, was very good at times for Stoke this season, came on as a great striker for them. It uh, just kind of fell off late. They they were fighting for a European spot until the very end of the season. In the last couple weeks, they just couldn't get, uh, keep it going. Yeah. Um, I I would give them a C plus B minus somewhere in there. Uh, I think they got some good pieces. I think Mark Hughes actually has them playing attacking football, which is amazing to see at Stoke now. Uh, I think there's things that they can build on. Um and depending on who they sign this off season, I think they can they can really make some strides forward. I think missing out on European football knocks them down a tad. Um, also, they they didn't make a cup final. Uh, so with all that being said, I think I think B minus C plus is about as good as I can do for them.
2: I give them a solid B minus, pushing a B. Okay, uh, just because literally up until about the six, the last six weeks of that season. You know that was a team that was firmly in the discussion to find a spot in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, I liked what I saw out of Stoke this year. One problem for Stoke was a little later in the season they started picking up a few injuries, mm-hmm. and that's where you know they they had they had good talent at most every position, but the problem with a Stoke is that they don't have the depth to cover up when some of that top talent gets injured and has to miss some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had some injuries late in the season. Uh, Boyan, Arnautovic, uh, Zerdan Shaqiri. I mean, these are all guys who, you know, they were – I mean, these are continental guys who have come over. I thought they all they, – they've adapted pretty well to England. Mm-hmm. Um, the old theory of, well, but what do you do at Stoke on a Tuesday night? Well, they're at Stoke every day, so, you know, it wasn't a big problem for them. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to play Stoke on a Tuesday night. Yes. Um, I thought they adjusted pretty well. I think this is a team that if they can just keep improving, well, I say if they can just keep improving, but the problem is, and we'll get to this more as we go, and, of course, when we do our preview is the fact that everybody in the freaking Premier League is signing players.
1: Yeah, every, people are going to everybody, have take steps back too.
2: Exactly. You know, everybody there's a chance for the eight teams that finish ahead of them I wouldn't be surprised if all eight finish ahead of them again and Stoke is a better team.
1: That's true. That's entirely possible.
2: And, and then I expect Chelsea to finish ahead of them too. Yeah. So, I mean this is a team that can finish 10th And you look at them like, oh my God, they're even better. But but what can you do? You know what I mean? I mean, they've done a good job of getting some of these guys. I just don't think they can get enough of them to really mount a serious challenge for anything. Yeah. And, And and they haven't shown that they want to mount the challenges in the cups. Which is where they could probably do the absolute most damage.
1: Yeah, just just in a one off, knock somebody off, and, and keep going. I think you're right, and that's and that's probably what they're going to focus on next year with no European football. Uh, I think if Mark Hughes can get his team to a cup final, maybe even lead a tro- uh, lift a trophy, I think that would be a great season for Stoke. Because yeah, I just I don't see how much progress they can make in in the the, the league table without a lot of regression.
2: Exactly. I mean. I mean, you know, there's always that chance, but I just, I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I mean... And
2: against them at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if, let's say, Lester takes a step back and tumbles down towards mid-table, like you said, Chelsea might jump them, so they might just finish ninth again.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's hard to argue. It's just hard to argue that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, w- with, with the group we're about to get
2: into, it's just hard to argue
1: that. Yep, and that starts at number eight, Liverpool. Uh I'll give you. I'll, I'll let you pretty much have the floor on this, Wes. After I set it up, uh, coaching change going from the Brage to Jurgen Klopp. Boom! And uh, two cup finals is what it led to: uh, the Capital One Cup final against City and the Europa League final against Sevilla. Both ending in losses, but both are cup finals for Liverpool. Uh, and best of all, uh, although they finished, uh, they they made two cup finals and couldn't lift a trophy. They get to finish eighth, so no European football. So Jurgen Klopp gets to focus firmly on the Premier League, which last time Liverpool did that worked out pretty well for them. So uh, Wes, uh, I would give them just offhand. I would give them probably an A minus from from the broad from the barrage firing on. Uh, I would give them an A minus uh, overall. I'd probably give them a B plus this season.
2: Ed, I don't want this to sound Homerish when I say what I'm about to say. Are you
1: going to give them an A-plus?
2: No, absolutely not. Okay. I'm actually, and this is not me trying to sell out by what I'm saying. I'm giving Liverpool an incomplete.
3: Uh, that's and
1: I, fair, I guess. I do,
2: and, and here's why I do that. Now, I, I will, I'll tell you what, I will actually give them a grade in a moment. Okay. But here's here's my point to that. You know, when most clubs fire their manager middle of the season, most of the time they are getting someone in who just, hey, just don't let it all go to hell.
1: Chelsea.
2: Chelsea. um, Swansea. or Yeah, yeah, Swansea. Or we're trying to avoid relegation. You know, Newcastle, something like that. Liverpool did something a little different because Liverpool fired their manager in October and then went out and got the guy who they hoped to be their manager for the next decade.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And for Klopp, Klopp had about a week to get his team ready to play.
1: Yeah, he started, uh, if I recall correctly, his first match came after, an, uh, it was after the international break.
2: That's right, that's right. So maybe, okay, so he got about two weeks. But here's the problem... <sighs> he plays a completely different style than what Brendan Rodgers played. Mm -hmm. So basically, here's my argument for the incomplete, is because he had to go an entire season with players that A, he had not brought in. B, he was trying to teach and play a new style without having any preseason. Um, and, 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 And then C the results were very up and down for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's my one reason for the incomplete. It was just, it was an extremely difficult situation. Liverpool didn't go that normal route of, okay, let's just, you know, make sure everything doesn't catch on fire here. Yeah, You know, Liverpool took a different route. And obviously to me, it was the right route. Um, I guess if I had to give Liverpool a grade for the season, to me, it would be a B. Okay. And you know, as you say, you know, as you said after after Rodgers, it did get better. But if you'll remember, during the first couple of months of the Klopp reign, um, it, it it wasn't all that much better.
3: No, that's true. <laughs> there were
2: there were bad draws. There were bad losses. Um, physically, Liverpool was falling apart. Yes. Uh, my God, we recalled Tiago Alori. You know, we, we signed Stephen Calker on loan. It got bad, people. We started having to bring the kids back off of loan deals just to have enough players to play matches. Um, as you said, though, when he did finally get some things put together, the highlights of the season, um, the, the, the demolition of Manchester City
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, was definitely a highlight. Uh, as you say, you know, the run to the, uh, the, the league cup final, um, that, that one, that was disappointing. That was, oh, I thought we had a really good chance to win that. That was Mm -hmm. disappointing. Um, the Europa League, the Europa League run, I I think that was obviously the highlight of the season. Ask me, yeah. You know, the, the two leg victory over Man United, that was huge. Um. And, of course, who will ever forget um, the night Dortmund came to Anfield.
0: You want
1: to because you didn't get to watch it.
2: Yeah, well, i, I take that back. I watched that about a dozen times. Okay. I just got to watch, watch it like four days after it happened. But, uh, you know, one of those spectacular European nights in Liverpool. They get to the final, uh, come up just short against Sevilla. Uh, and that, that, like I said, that run definitely gets it up. But I'm, I'm still – it. I'm sticking with that incomplete because, you know, right now Rodgers is – he's bringing in oh, – no, Rodgers. Klopp <laughs> is bringing in some Klopp players. Rodgers is bringing in some some guys with great character up at Celtic. We know yeah. that. Um, but Klopp is bringing in his players. The three-a-days are underway.
3: <laughs>
2: Balotelli's back to win the Ballon d'Or.
3: Yay. Yay.
2: And we're about to apparently sell A for nearly as much as we actually paid for Which him, is so. absurd,
1: but hey, when Palace has money, I guess they got to spend it.
2: God bless you, TV money. <laughs> you rock. Yes. Um, and I, 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 still, I still think there's a good signing for Liverpool left this summer. Um, the Mane signing I'm sure we'll talk about a little later. Um, <clears throat> I like the guys he's brought in so far. Uh, I think Klopp definitely has him on the right track. Like I said, if I had the third grade, I'd give him a B, but i still say it was an incomplete for
1: Liverpool this year. We weren't really going to talk about the Mane signing since it was kind of last week, but I was going to ask you in this section, just because I did mention uh, it has the chance to be the biggest signing in Liverpool history after, you know, Andy Carroll. Um, So what uh, what are your thoughts on bringing in Mane, who had 11 Premier League goals last year?
2: It was a guy Liverpool needed. Um, You know, a couple years ago when Liverpool almost won the league, It was all based on sheer pace um, and ferocity up front. You know, when you looked at the SAS, Sterling, Sturridge, Suarez, um, you know, Stevie, you know, those guys were, they were fantastic. You know, Coutinho was the maestro who pulled the strings on that team. But like I said, they were built on pace. They could kill you down the sides. They could kill you up the middle. Liverpool's suddenly gotten pretty damn slow over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, when you look at it, just not a ton of pace in that squad. And now Mane comes in, and that's exactly what he brings you, is that outside pace. He can stretch the field. Uh, He can set up guys. He can play through the middle. He can play anywhere across the front. Um, But that's what Klopp was looking last year with some speed on the outside. You know, Mane's a guy who'll give up. He'll press from the front. Um, he can turn things in, he's got an eye for goal. I think um, the, the other move I want to see what goes down is if Liverpool decide to keep Markovic, mm-hmm. coming back off alone uh, from Fenerbahce, where he wasn't great, mind you. But, I mean, this is a kid who's 22, 23 years old. I think he's 22 years old. And when we signed him, it was this big coup because every major team in Europe wanted him, and we got him. And sorry, Rogers just fucked him up. Mm. But to me, if you can play Markovic and Mane on the outsides, I mean, you know, if you want pace, <laughs> if you want pace, they've got it in boatloads right there for Liverpool. Um, and I, I'm just – I'm really excited to see what Klopp can do with those guys.
1: And uh, we're going to get to see it in just about a month. Uh, we have two teams left to do oh, West. that,
2: We play this week. We play Tranmere Rovers. <sighs>
1: <laughs> Weren't they a Champions League team? Um, and by Champions League, I mean they just played a match like a week ago to try and qualify to get into the Champions League. Uh,
2: no, I think they're like a fourth division English team.
1: Uh, okay, I'm, I'm thinking of someone else then. Or
2: Scottish or something, or maybe Irish, I don't even
1: know. Uh, seventh place last year, uh, West Ham United. Hey Wes, did you know last year was the last time West Ham will play at Upton Park?
2: You don't say.
1: I know, crazy right? Where, will
2: they, put, where will they go?
1: Nobody knows, it's never been said ever. Uh, they finished with 62 points, and uh, because United won the FA Cup... Uh, West Ham will be going into the Europa League third round. Uh, Slavin Bilic had his guys playing very good, and Dimitri Payet has been an absolute revelaton. Sam Noble, uh, for his childhood team, played very well this season. And just overall, a, a strong, strong side. Uh, West Ham all of a sudden coming on very strong, bolstered by, again, West that TV money we talked about. Uh, I am going to give West Ham... I am going to give West Ham... A, I'm gonna give them a B plus. Uh, just I think they could have finished slightly <clears throat> higher, uh, and I think it was a little disappointing. So I'm gonna give them a B plus. No, you know what? I'll go A minus. I'll go A minus for West Ham because uh, I certainly didn't have them in the top seven. Uh, you didn't have them in the top seven. So I, I think job done. They got into Europe and they have pieces to build on, especially with Dimitri Payet
2: and Andy Carroll.
1: Yeah, how could I forget Pegundy?
2: Of course, never forget Pegundy. Definitely, I'm right there with you, B plus, A minus. I'll go A minus as well. You know, this is a team who, you know, Slavin Bilic coming in, uh, new manager, you kind of had to think, you know, what are we going to get out of this? This is a team that uh, had been under the uh, direction of Big Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, under the last couple seasons, uh, they had... <clears throat> and give Big Sam credit, because no one ever damn does except me. Yep. Um, he gave that team a spine. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. And then you bring in Slava Bilic who suddenly also gives them a little bit of, uh, of an eye for attack. They got the freaking steal of the year um, in uh, Dimitri Payet. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, Payette was the guy who was out there. He was available for everybody to go by.
1: We weren't to no. know.
2: Yeah. Um, so, you know, and he ends up at West Ham. And as you see right now, he's tearing it up on the international level for France. Um, <clears throat> so give him some credit for that. Uh, he brought the flair and the eye for gold that they needed. Uh, and other than that, you know, it's just, it's a really, really solid it's a really solid bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say give Big Sam some credit for that. They're strong. They don't mind mixing it up with you. But then Billage gave them enough flair that they could finally score goals and they could turn some draws into some wins.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, that's just, they kind of fell off toward the end of the season, unfortunately, for them. But, uh, I mean, that was a team that was in contention, you know, for a top five spot throughout the entire season.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good season for them, now going to the uh, the Olympic Stadium to play this season.
2: That's it, the Olympic Stadium.
1: Yep. Uh, and finally, in sixth place, uh, part of the ongoing saga of how will Southampton be good next year after their manager leaves and Sadio Mane leaves and Victor Wanyama leaves. Well, uh, we, we do have uh, the good news that they're still in Europa League, and uh, our first news and notes will be who their new manager is, since you know what happened last Thursday literally – hours after i finished the podcast uh, but southampton finishes sixth just three points back of uh, manchester city for fourth place uh graziano pelle took another step forward this year deuce and tatch had a great season and as we mentioned even though he's now at liverpool uh sadio mane uh came on like a house of fire towards the end of the season having multiple goals multiple <laughs> games um and still that back line was also very, very good. Uh, so somehow, some way West Southampton has kept inching their way forward. Now they're in Europe. And and we said every year, they, they managed to keep replacing these guys. How will they do it this year coming up? But we're not going to grade them on that yet. Uh, I'm going to give them an A-minus for getting into Europe. And, uh, again, a little sort of like Liverpool a little bit in that they were a very up-and-down season. But when they were good, they were very good.
2: That's right. When they were good, they were good. When they were bad, they were bad. But um, much more good than bad this year. Ronald Koeman did a fantastic job. And, you know, we talk about the guys they lost this year. Look at what they lost last year. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they lost even more, it seemed like, last season. And they come back and... And I think we uh, predicted their demise, and uh, we were wrong. We were very wrong. Um, Southampton came out at a great season. I'm going to give them an A minus. I just, I thought they were, you know, they were good, and they were good late in the season when it mattered, when they needed to bring it home uh, to secure that European spot. They did it. uh, Well deserved going to Europe next year. Now let's see how they decide to play when they go to Europe. Yeah. You know, because the last time they went to Europe, they were kind of like, "Ah, eh, we can't be bothered with this. Yeah. So, um, and as you say, you know, new manager, we'll talk about that. But uh, I give them an A-. minus. Uh, good, good on them. Uh, they got the job done, and uh, they will reap the benefits of it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, the man to, to guide them as we start news and notes uh, will be Claude Puel, uh the man who came over from France uh, coached a few teams there, include uh, including a stint at AS Monaco, where he won the Ligue 1 title in 2000. He also coached at Lille Olympique and OGC Nice. Um, Peel coming on a three-year deal with the club. Uh, And, of course, he is replacing two uh, Premier League managers who have had very strong seasons, uh, Maurizio Pochettino and Ronald Koeman, as you mentioned, Wes. Uh, And now it will be Peel's job to guide the Saints as they uh, try to navigate the Premier League and Europa League. They're going straight into the group stage um not not a name a lot of us know west but but has the credentials and and for southampton they've been kind of finding these 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 barg these bargain coaches who may not be huge names but come in and they do a fantastic job and maybe Puel can keep following in their footsteps
2: you know southampton well i'll start this by saying you know right now at liverpool we kind of have this um this saying among the fan base, uh, well, what do you mean we're going after this guy? Uh, does Klopp want this guy? Well, you know what? If Klopp wants him, he must be good. Yeah. Or Klopp must see something. You know, We say believe in Klopp. Well, you know what? That's just how I am right now with Southampton. Yeah. Believe in whoever's running Southampton yeah. because they are doing it right. They keep selling off these stars for big fees, and then they keep replacing them with guys just as good if not better. Yeah, you know, they lose Pochettino. Um They bring in Cumin, who's almost just as good. Um, they lose Cumin. Hey, next guy can't be too bad,
1: right? No, no, next man up. That that apparently is the motto at Southampton. Next man up, and uh, that's what they're doing. So, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how Peel uh, adjusts. This will be his first head coaching job outside of France. Uh, so it, it will be interesting to see how he kind of adjusts to the Premier League. Uh, we've seen some coaches struggle with that. We've seen some coaches flourish. Uh, so we'll see how Southampton it, – it, it, it will not be said that he does not have the resources certainly to compete though.
2: Okay. Well, and I'll just be really interested to keep an eye on Southampton and uh, see uh, the Liverpool stars in the future.
1: Exactly. You know You know what I want to keep an eye on, Wes? What's will What's that? I want to keep an eye on what uh, I'm Next USA is doing, so let's hear about them for a second.
0: Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. imnextusa.com is the platform for you.
1: Thank you, imnextusa. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being a sponsor on the Foreign Affair Podcast as part of NGSC Sports. Uh, We're starting to make money. You know, you know a country that's really rolling in money, Wes?
2: It's not England because the pound is taking a crap. It's not America because no one respects our currency anymore. Well, it's got to be our Chinese overlords.
1: Hail our Chinese overlords. Uh, shanghai has shanghai another... I had
2: General Show's chicken already twice this week. I'm already on board.
1: <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, Brazilian, uh, they, they're bringing in the Brazilians left and right. If they can get them some passports, China might be going to the World Cup in Russia in, in a couple years. Uh, they are bringing in Hulk this time from Zenit St. Petersburg. Sorry, AVB. Uh, this year is for... Fifty-five point eight million euros. That is forty-six million pounds plus potential additional costs for the twenty-nine-year-old striker. This surpasses the thirty-eight million pounds Zhu Xuning paid uh, for Alex Teixeira in February. West, uh, if you're Hulk, I guess why not cash in?
2: Here's my here's my opinion of Hulk. A extremely talented player Um, obviously you know with a name like Hulk he's big Um, you know but I just believe Hulk is going to go down as a guy who uh, and you know hey some, some guys play football some treat it as a business you know some want to go win titles and you know play on the biggest stage obviously that never bothered Hulk yeah Obviously, this um, we saw in this Copa America, A huge money move to uh, to Russia to start with, um, and then an even huger money move to uh, to China here. Okay, I mean, it's I don't have an issue with it. Hmm? It's it's Hulk. I mean, he he obviously he obviously made the decision long ago that he was going to squeeze every penny he could out of this game. Um. You know, titles on the world stage, be damned, mm-hmm. and that's what he's done. And um, he's very good at what he does. And obviously, he's good enough to keep getting these huge fees to keep taking him to exotic places around the world to play.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's weird. The man who became famous at Porto now just seems like he's staying. He's he's stepping with all due respect to Senate Saint Petersburg as well as Shanghai SIPG. It 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 seems like he's just trying to take, not trying to. He's just taking a step down in competition every time he moves, which I guess as you're getting older is probably the thing to do.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's obviously everything is about the bottom line. It's about the dollars here, Um, and you know, of course, when he went to Russia, that's when uh, that's when all the money was suddenly getting pumped into the Russian league. Mm -hmm. So you know, he was a he was a huge name signing for that league. And now, once again, he's a huge name signing for the Chinese League, so uh, yeah, that, that's that's going to be his legacy. Is you know he was the guy who uh, got paid a lot of money to play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, I'd say good for him. Uh, somebody's got to do it. Uh,
1: going back to the Premier League and a team that just fell out of it, but is. Again, as they kind of did last year, they're they're making some more big signings, trying to get back out of the championship. Uh, Newcastle has signed three players, uh, Matt Ritchie from AFC Bournemouth. That was a bit of a surprise, actually. Dwight Gale from uh, Crystal Palace, and Matt Sells, the international goalkeeper. Uh, Ritchie, after spending three and a half years at Bournemouth, uh, scored 31 goals and had 29 assists and helped uh, AFC Bournemouth climb out of both League One and the championship championship and uh kept them floating above water through the uh the Bournemouth uh, struggles with injuries in the Premier League this season um I, I think it's a little surprising Wes unless we're connecting that with the money again that a guy who was getting minutes at a Premier League club is now going to a championship club now a championship club you expect maybe somewhat to bounce back right up to the Premier League but still I think it's a little surprising
2: well, um, you know, looking at Richie, I mean, he's a guy who, yeah, you know, last year he got good minutes for Bournemouth in the Premier League, but don't forget Bournemouth were killed yes. killed by injuries last season. So, you know, Richie might have kind of seen the writing on the wall. Um, <clears throat> you know, for what it's worth, um, Newcastle are a big club. You know, in in England, mm-hmm. and, and hey, we've looked at those uh, those. Um, rankings for the richest clubs in the world the top 20 <laughs> newcastle's in there yeah their club um even though they are in the championship they are expected to win that league and come back up um i don't have a problem going particularly to newcastle i don't see that as a bad move
3: okay
1: fair enough well we'll we'll see if he's
2: i just think newcastle's kind of a special A special exception right now in the championship.
1: Oh, they are very special right now. Um, (laughs) No doubt they're special. And
2: and he gets to go play for a Champions League winning manager now.
1: That's true. Um, And hey, he would have won another one this year if he had managed to stay on at Real Madrid. Uh, How will they replace Dwight Gale at Crystal Palace, you ask? Well, I'll tell you, with another Newcastle man. In what basically ended up being a trade. Andrews Townsend, former Tottenham man is going to Crystal Palace after his, uh, loan from, uh, Newcastle ended. It's a five year deal worth 13 million pounds. Uh, the man who was just missed, uh, being an international mistake, uh, with the rest of his English mates this summer at Euro 2016 is going to, uh, to get some money going over to palace. And, uh, We've seen, West, Palace, they're trying to splash the cash for Benteke. They did it last year for Kabai. So Palace, with uh, Alan Pardew at the helm, no no strangers to spending a little bit of money to try and get themselves uh, into the top ten.
2: Well, I'll say this too now. If uh, if they do succeed in bringing in Benteke along with Townsend, the guys they have, um it, Pardew is going to have to prove early on that he can get the job done mm-hmm. because that would have been a good amount of money put into that team and that would be a team that has a lot of quality, quality players um, <clears throat> Andros Townsend Wow, I mean, you know, this is a guy who just a couple of years ago was being touted by all the major, major clubs in England um, and, and it just hasn't quite worked well for him Yeah
1: and i think he was i mean he was kind of forced out of tottenham with the emergence of uh some other better options on the wing he still had some good moments for newcastle this season i i don't i wouldn't really consider him at fault really for their for their relegation except for maybe a few moments but uh it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see how he fits in with that team and that that team is starting to build something you're right but but i think that puts pardue more really under the gun you
2: know he's the guy who just really burst onto the england scene a few years ago mm-hmm. you know playing for england and had some really good matches and it just seemed like he was destined for greater things and now
3: <clears throat>
2: you know for uh i would say for tottenham you know, I, th- I think uh, even when they started, maybe deciding this wasn't going to be our guy, I think they were kind of thinking, you know, well, hey, at least we'll get some good fees for him. And yeah, didn't really work out like they wanted, I guess. But uh, yeah, good luck, uh, good luck to him. You know I'd like to see Townsend maybe resurrect his uh, Premier League career a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah, certainly on his way to doing that, has a chance at Palace. Uh, all right, now Wes. You talked a little bit about it earlier with with some of these teams, uh, these big clubs, adding a lot of players. Well, now now we're starting to get into them. Uh, Nolito
0: Nolito, uh,
1: is moving to Manchester City uh, from Celta Vigo to join Pep Guardiola. Uh, The deal is worth, I had it here just a second ago. Okay, maybe I don't. Uh he did score uh he played for he has already played for Pep Guardiola. When he was uh, when he was back at Barcelona, uh, mm-hmm. however, Pep didn't really play him that much. He played for just two league games in uh, the 2010-11 season, and then uh, Nolito left for Benfica. He's jumped around a little bit, but did have a good mat- uh, year last year, scoring 12 goals and seven assists in La Liga. So uh, City with maybe one of their first big player <clears> signings <throat> of the season. Wes, uh, maybe not a name. A lot of us are familiar with. I certainly wasn't until uh, he signed, and I see now it's a four-year contract for thirteen point eight million pounds. I'm glad I have reading comprehension. Uh, but this is, this, but I think right now Manchester City really Wes is in somewhat of a a position that they 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 could be strong at where they can just start spending money like crazy. They did it last year with Raheem Sterling, where they basically bid against themselves. Um, but they see the clubs around them. <laughs> picking up guys, and they have to do something.
2: Um, hey, let's start off with Nolito. That's a really good sign of him, actually. Nolito was uh, very highly regarded in Spain, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> was a guy who a lot of people were tipping to go back to Barcelona this offseason, mm. uh, and then ended up, you know, with Pep going, that was the great key for him. So Pep bringing him in, I think Nolito is actually going to be a good, good player for them because he gives them some depth at a position that's basically or yes, Bust. Yes. So I think he's, I think that actually that's a very good astute signing, not the big money sign that we were looking for from city, but just sit back because I believe those are coming. Mm. Um, I think right now a lot of business has kind of been held off because of the European championships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been a a heavy rumor of maybe Tony Cruz Mm -hmm. heading to uh, Manchester City. Cruz has been quoted as saying that he is not interested in going back to Bundesliga. Um, So that would be a natural next step for him if he decided to leave Real Madrid would be to go to England. And Guardiola is seen as a very big uh, fan of Tony Cruz. Um, I I still believe that City are going to end up with definitely one, if not two, big money summer signings before it's all said and done. Um, so I, I just think you I just think the Euros have been holding things up, and especially with two of your best teams in uh, in France and Germany ready to play, um, you know you, you'll see things happening. I think in the next three weeks or so.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. As you said, with camps already starting for some teams, uh, we now move to Chelsea. Uh, or sorry, actually, we're gonna. Eh, we're gonna skip that one. Sorry, Everton. Uh, we move to Chelsea.
2: It's not a good sign, and I'll just leave it. There.
1: <laughs> they they signed a keeper. Congratulations, Ronald Koeman. Uh Chelsea in Antonio Conte's first big signing in a and a guy that was rumored to be going to three different clubs in a 24-hour period, maybe not even that long. Uh, Mishi Batshui, who I'm just going to call Mitsubishi for the rest of the year. Batshui. Batshui, yeah, Mitsubishi. Um, he has signed a five-year deal with Chelsea. Uh, he last played uh, in Ligue 1 last season at the Stade Vélodrome. He scored 24 goals in 51 uh, appearances for Marseille. Uh, He, of course, uh, featured in Belgium's 4-0 win over Hungary at Euro 2016, uh, scoring on his first touch, which, as we know, did wonders for Julian Green's career in a USMNT uniform. Uh, But he did score 33 goals in 78 games for uh, Marseille um, after coming over from Standard Liege. This is the first big Chelsea signing. Uh, Again, Wes, a lot of teams were into him. Crystal Palace, tottenham especially we're both mm-hmm. very big into him um and as uh it seems like maybe uh Romelu lukaku might not be so much on the move anymore his fellow belgian teammate uh this seems like what could be a good replacement if not backup for diego costa at stanford bridge
2: uh, absolutely i think uh, he's he's a good signing he's a quality player um, and that, you know, we talked about earlier with City and signing Nolito, uh, for Chelsea, that was a spot for them last year after Costa. Where did you go next? Yeah. Um, so,
3: Dude, uh, they're doing
2: a, oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, they're doing a good job of, um, addressing a need. Mm-hmm. And, and it was. That was a definite need for Chelsea. <clears throat> and they go out and get one of the best guys on the market.
1: Uh, and now...
2: And, and also, he could also be insurance um, in case uh, Costa flips his shit and forces his way out before the summer is
1: over. Which we've heard could happen. Um, and now, Wes, we have to go to it. We have to go to that other team, that team. That team that we don't like. And that is Manchester United, because I think some of you out there were thinking, like, "Oh, they're going to talk about Arsenal now." Oh, that's cute. No, we're talking about I'm Manchester. The
2: Japanese United. guy.
1: Yeah. Good uh, job. As Arsene Wenger said, he is one for the future.
2: Good. Oh, is, I think that's going to be like uh, tightened into his headstone when yes.
1: he dies. <laughs> Tinder in the tackle. Arsene
2: um, well, Wenger. Well, he is one for the future. Awesome
1: oh, harsh. We love you, Arsene. Actually, we don't. Uh, we go to Manchester United, where, of course, the big signing breaking our hearts, Wes. They
2: sound the greatest player on
1: Earth. Henrik Minkton. McTar-
2: the greatest player, yet, the greatest human on Earth.
1: That's true. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, as he said in his video promo, uh, opening himself up to the Manchester United faithful, it is Zlatan time and i am very worried that it is actually going to be zlatan time in the premier league west the 34 year old comes over from psg he has signed with his old coach Jose Mourinho at United, and he will now be joined. We can confirm uh, with one of the the many Borussia Dortmund players to be fleeing Dortmund. Apparently, Henrik McTarian, who is uh, honoring his father's wishes by coming over uh, on a transfer fee in the 26 million pound region, and is uh, will get a contract of about 12.5 million. Um, uh, Wes, uh, honoring
2: Mc- his father's wishes, he played for United. And three years ago, he was within an eyelash of signing for Liverpool. Yep. Yeah. Okay, whatever.
1: Sure. Um, Wes, is it time to become afraid of United again?
2: <clears throat> I will say this. I really like the moves that Mourinho's making. Shocking. Uh, and I don't I hate saying it. The only hope I think we have in this world, Ed, is that uh, Zlatan signed a one-year deal, just wants to come tear England up for one season and say, ha-ha, I told you I could destroy England, and then leaves and comes to America. Um, <clears throat> yeah, now, that, this is a group that, um, they signed Renato Sanchez. hmm Um, big-time talent. Yeah, big-time we, we saw team. it for Portugal. Yeah, we've seen it for Portugal. Um, now they've signed Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, he's a uh, he's an attacking midfielder, um, and he's a good one. He's a good one. Uh, we'll talk. A, I'll, I'll throw a Dortmund comment in in just a moment. Uh, and now they've signed Zlatan, and also Mourinho has come out and I think very wisely said, um, you know, Wayne Rooney's not a midfielder for me. Yeah. You know, Wayne Rooney is an attacking player. He's going to play up top. He's going to play behind the striker. Um, I think that's a smart thing. Rooney can still put the ball in the back of the net, and now you give him someone like Zlatan that's going to give him room.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Sweet Jesus. I mean, man, if you had said five years ago, hey, guess what, United, one day you're going to have a strike force of uh, Rooney and Ibrahimovic, I think I think they would have been building another wing for the trophies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping that maybe it's a little too late because, yeah, Rooney's not quite the same player he was anymore. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And by the way, United are not done.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said they're still. there's Mourinho sent his press conference uh, opening up at the time at United when he wasn't uh, giving the list of all the youth players he had developed. Uh,
2: he covered about 20 of those were bullshit. Yeah, fun. it's fine.
1: Uh, it wouldn't be Mourinho if it wasn't bullshit. Um, they, they're talking about bringing in another one. Some people have said it's Pogba. Others, I believe, are saying it's uh, it might be Matuidi. Um which I think is a more reasonable option than Pogba at this point. Uh if if they get Pogba, then they're just they're literally just breaking the bank at that point.
2: Well, I mean it would be a world record fee and then two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week.
1: Yeah. Which is almost what they're paying M- Mkhitaryan, so
2: Yeah, which is now worth what, about twelve bucks American, I think. It's <laughs> true. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Um it it is suddenly you know when they first hired Mourinho, <clears throat> we tried to uh, we tried to tell ourselves <laughs> he can't win with this group, but of course I think we knew deep down he's gonna he's gonna splash the cash. Yeah. And then you were just hoping maybe he would bring in a group that would like implode from the inside. Mm-hmm. I actually think that Zlatan is going to keep that from happening. Mm-hmm. Um. I just, I I think, I almost think that, you know, here's the deal, you know, they they always said things about uh, Mourinho that he took the pressure off of his players and put it on himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally this season, all you're going to hear about from United is going to be Mourinho and Zlatan. Yep. And those two can handle it.
1: Congratulations, Anthony Martial. You just get to fly under the radar for another season.
2: Well, and the thing is, he'll play, and he'll do well. Yeah. And, yeah, I think Rashford will get some good playing time this mm-hmm. year. But but the thing is, Josie and Zlatan are just such massive cult of personality type mm-hmm. guys. Oh, yeah. That that's what you're going to hear about. That's going to be the story. Every game is those two. And everyone else is going to be able to sit there and play. You know, Wayne Rooney, for the first time in a decade at United, it's not all on his shoulders.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um... I just, I am terrified that this team is going to thrive. Yeah. And I just, oh, all I can hope is that Josie just does something to blow it up. Last like said, yeah, I hope Zlatan scores forty goals. Um, they finish behind Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> they finish fifth again behind Liverpool. Yes, there you go. And uh, and then he, uh, and then he comes to America and saves us from the NFL. <sighs> That's all I can hope for. Uh, that's all I can hope for from the great one, um, and that uh, Liverpool beat them every time they play.
1: Yep, and and we'll see if that happens. If there's someone, I who would, can...
2: I would love to see Zlatan score a ton of braces and hat tricks and lose a lot of four to three. <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, that's fine. I can live with that.
2: Uh, but unfortunately, they're going uh, to keep on David Daheia too. Yeah.
1: Like, uh, Good job, Ed Woodward. Good job.
2: Good job, Ed
1: Woodward. Uh well. Bye,
2: my balls.
1: One last story from United. Um, We can confirm also that uh, Ryan Giggs will be leaving Manchester United after spending 29 years, excuse me, at Old Trafford, uh, and doing what I believe is the correct move. If he ever wants to be a manager, he, uh, especially back at United, he's going to have to go get, uh, actual managerial experience. Uh, Josie, I don't think really wanted him to be there. And even though he said in his press conference again, he had nothing to do with it. Sure. Josie, um, gigs is, is going to be heading out and, and then search of his own job. um, and, and obviously there's going to be a lot of teams that will be happy to take him if they'll take Gary Neville. I'm sure Ryan Giggs is going to be able to find a, a, a home, Wes.
2: <laughs> Hopefully not on a match day with Jamie Carrier and Thierry Henry. There you go. Um, <clears throat> Best thing that could have happened, of course, you know, this being Mourinho and Giggs, it keeps – it continues to play out in the media. Yeah. Um, because now they're turning into he said, no, he didn't say, yes, I did, no, I didn't. Um, but, I mean, you know, we talked about the last time I was on the pod here, Ed. You know, this was – it was a no-win situation for either guy. And he needed to move on. He's done the right thing. Um like I said, it's just funny that they're still
1: kind of talking shit to each other on the way out the door. Oh, of course. And uh, and Gig's still doing it uh, when uh, when he mentioned that uh, when he was on ITV's coverage of Portugal and Poland, uh, he took a, a somewhat subtle dig at Edward Ward, claiming that uh, Sanchez is worth $30 million and and uh, that he'd have uh, joined uh, Manchester United if they had sacked Louis van Gaal when they should have but then we wouldn't have gotten the magicalness that was the end of the season. So thank you for that, I guess, Edward. Ed they would
2: not have won an FA Cup.
1: Oh, of course not. Palace would have definitely won that. Pardue would have been dancing <laughs> in the streets. Uh, our final news and notes story, Wes uh, takes us back to Spain, or sort of, for where it's been a no-good week for Lionel Messi. Uh, coming up his uh, Copa America final loss. Uh, he and his father Jorge Messi have each been handed a 21-month prison sentence for tax evasion, which they won't actually go to jail for because they've never done anything else. They've never been in jail, so they're they're getting their sentence suspended, just like Russia's expulsion from Euro 2016 was suspended. If they get caught again, they will be going to jail. But as of right now, Wes, they're free.
2: So I guess in Spain, what you just get—it's kind of like
1: a mulligan. The way I see it, and I hate bringing politics into this because God, I don't want to bring politics into this. It feels kind of like what the uh, the FBI found in the uh, the Hillary Clinton email thing, where they were (laughs) like, "Yeah, this is really shady, but uh, we're not going to press any charges. We're we're just not going to do it." That doesn't mean what you did was right. It just means we're not going to press charges. And And I think that's. Yet
2: you may have put a ton of people in harm's way. You know, you may have uh, let some of our national secrets out, but you know what?
3: It's okay. Just
2: go ahead. Yep. We had a meeting with Barry
3: a few days ago. We're good.
1: It's fine. But, anyway. but congratulations on the Messi, father and son, for for not having to go to jail. Not that we are Messi was probably... Lionel was probably never going to jail. It's... I guess it's good that his father's not either.
2: <laughs> well, and you talk about worst week ever for Messi... And now Ronaldo's in the Euro final. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and Neymar just signed a contract with Barcelona that pays him more than Messi. <sighs> yeah. Yay. A million euros a year.
1: Is Neymar worth that much, in your opinion?
2: See, to me, Neymar is the third best of the, the greatest trio in the world. That's true. To me. Of course, you know I'm an Olebash Suarez guy. That's said. Also, five years younger than Suarez. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Um, I don't know. I think Neymar does. I think Neymar has the potential to be the best player in the world. I
1: just, I just,
2: I just don't think he's had to do it right now because he's got Messi and everybody has got Suarez. Yeah. So, uh, but hey, it's your money, Barcelona. Some that that somehow shadily. Um, you're able to spin
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's it's fine. There, there's never FIFA Fair Play regulations on them. Never.
2: Well, would there be at this point.
1: That's... Uh, are they still
2: real quick, Simon? Are they still even doing FIFA Fair Play?
1: Uh yeah, because I want to say
2: that uh, a thing anymore.
1: I want to say either Fenerbahce or uh, the other um, Turkish team. What was
2: the other one? Galatasaray. Yeah,
1: one of them got hit with FIFA Fair Play. Course. uh i want to say maybe it was galatasaray um let me see if i can look it up here really quick because i remember seeing the the story I, about I mean, it.
2: I'm not it it's just i just don't know how some teams do what they do <laughs> i'll just put it that way
1: it's fine because they they put money back into the community that is sure Whatever. Yay! uh yeah okay so fenerboshi was yeah it was fenerboshi um they got a fine, had money suspended. Their squad is reduced to twenty-two players, and they're having transfer spending restrictions. Here is the four teams that got busted this season for this upcoming season: FC Astania, uh Dynamo Zagreb, Fenerbahce, and Trabzonspor.
2: In other words, no one who no one who's really a player. Yep, that's about right.
1: There you go. No one who's
2: making FIFA money. In the other words,
1: no, 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 or no. Or no. FIFA, UEFA. Um, Wes, yep. this takes us into watch Four and uh, what are you watching in the week that was in the week that will be?
2: Of course and I spent last week uh, on assignment. Yes in, uh, uh, in, in a mountainous region uh, where with my children uh, with with my 11 year old son and his 12 year old buddy, we watched a lot of horrible Friday the 13th movies.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, because for some reason they're obsessed. Well, I, mean, I wasn't that age, too. They're obsessed with Jason. It was Jason. It was quite, quite, quite bad. Uh, we watched a lot of that. Um, I'm trying to watch this OJ Made in America.
1: Mm, yes, the thirty for thirty. Yes.
2: Yeah, because it's like it's a five part thing. But mm. when I went, to, um, you know, when I went to uh, get it on demand on my TV uh, or on my direct TV here. I download the first hour and I turn it on and it's fucking Wimbledon coverage.
1: Whoops.
2: So I don't really know what the hell they're doing, but I'd like to watch it before I cut my cord in the next week or so.
1: Um, you should be able to watch it all on the. Uh, I think it's all available on the uh, their Watch ESPN thing. Watch ESPN. Yeah, I think it's on.
2: I'll take a look
0: at that.
1: Because so I think it. what they said, like they made like the they made the first four or the last four episodes after the first available on their... Uh, before they, um, before they actually aired them on TV.
2: Fantastic.
1: Hey, by uh, the way, Dwayne Wade is signing with the Bulls.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Woohoo! That, yeah. that should keep Chicago on a nice level of mediocrity.
1: There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. I.
2: Like Wade is now just Dwayne Wade, in name only. So.
1: Yeah, I can. I'm on the Watch ESPN app right now, and I can, I can watch the replay of all five parts of. OG- <sighs>
2: Cool. well i have to watch espn app. i just have this one on ESPN.
1: there so there you go
2: and uh and right now as we speak i'm on a uh, nat geo wild mm. uh, watching world's deadliest snakes
1: Ooh. That, yeah. did you see any of those while you were up in that mountainous area
2: um uh, no i heard there were some up there but uh, we had we had quite a lovely time and uh saw most no snakes
1: Oh, very nice.
2: I did see a mermaid in the Tennessee Hills.
1: Though. Oh, well, that's a thing. Sure. Um, well, most of my shows have pretty much uh, come to an end. I'm actually about to hit a stretch, in a stretch right now, where I only have one show I'm watching per week for the next couple weeks until uh, Bojack Horseman comes back for season Jesus three. Jesus Christ, it's back. Bojack Horseman. Um, right now. I'm <laughs> nope. Um, right now, the show I'm watching uh, is a sci-fi show, literally sci-fi, um, called uh, Dark Matter. Uh, that just came back for season two, but I'm not going to talk about that this week. I'm going to talk about a show that myself and the one who joined me on the pod last week for part of it, one name, field producer Jackie, uh, kind of binge-watched the first season of, and that's The Magicians. Um did you ever want a Harry Potter series in America, specifically New York, that is more for grown-up people and has a lot of people dying horribly? No. Okay, well then you probably wouldn't like The Magicians. It, it, it reminded me, it's it's like if there's the spectrum, it, it tries to sort of take Harry Potter and mix it with like, I don't know, American Horror Story And sort of find the convergence point between the two. Um, Because you have like literal gods coming down and ripping people's hearts out and eating them. That was a thing that happened. Spoilers. So.
2: The words of Matthew McConaughey. Alright,
1: alright, alright. So if you want to see a lot of people get their throats slit uh, from magic. I suggest checking out the Magicians. It's thirteen episodes, and it ends on a cliffhanger because, of course, it does because there's a season two. So uh, you
2: say it's, it's on broadcast television, so no nudity, right?
1: Yes, but somehow they they get away with saying the f word.
2: Oh uh, well, I mean, if there's no nudity, that's the only reason that would get me to watch.
1: Oh,
2: so I'm good. Thanks anyway.
1: There's some backs. There's some foxes having sex. Spoilers.
2: Yeah, that just got even weirder. So now I'll definitely be sure to uh, skip
1: that. Aw, I thought you were going to be definitely sure to watch it. Uh-huh. Hey, I know something you're definitely watching, West, and that's WWE Raw. Hey, did you see the sign pushing Great Black Utaku last on Monday night?
2: I did after you uh, sent me something saying it happened. I had oh. to go back and look. I was like, oh, there's a sign.
1: Ta-da. I, I was paying attention. You're welcome.
2: Lovely. Yeah, I'm sure you were just sitting there dying to say something, right?
1: Well, actually, I was just following on Twitter, and then like 80 people posted exactly. about it.
2: Exactly. Ah, Ed, this week's Monday Night Raw, and it kicks off with a reminder that we are now only two weeks away from the uh, from the draft, <laughs> uh, the uh, the brand split draft that we will be having uh, coming on the first. Uh, live Tuesday night version of Raw, which is coming up July the nineteenth. So uh, great, excite
1: Yay. about
2: that. You know, we'll be we'll be drafting our two brands, and that'll give me double the wrestling to watch every week, which I'm I'm not really complaining about because right now SmackDown is nearly unwatchable.
1: Oh great!
2: It used to be unwatchable. Then they got the great Mora Rinaldo, so at least they have a really good play-by-play guy. <laughs> But basically, the whole premise of SmackDown for the last two, three years, it's basically like a raw review show, oh. with some matches thrown in there. They've hmm. tried, but this will this will just be better. I just I just know it'll be better. Um, what am I excited about? Battleground coming up on the twenty fifth of this month, so that's what we're building to right now. Uh, of course, we have a Shield Triple Threat match. Of course. With no Roman Reigns to do any build up to it because he's suspended for taking the roids or whatever he was taking. Yeah, that's fine. so um, you know Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and you remember a couple of years ago at this point um, that was like the program of the year for WWE. Was the first time Rollins and Ambrose went head to head. This one's been good. To me, it's just missing a little bit because we know we have, like, this whole Roman Reigns deal in the back of our heads. If it was just Ambrose and Rollins, I think I would be much more invested in it. Mm-hmm. That said, I am invested because they're two of my favorite guys. But um, I just think they're lacking just a little something to it. It just seems like something's missing. But, um, anyway, it, it has been a good build buildup. Um, they're going at it. It's been fun. Uh, right now, probably the hottest program in WWE is John Cena versus The Club. Of course, The Club, uh, my beloved AJ Styles, my beloved Gallows and Anderson. They. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the hashtag this past Monday night, um, but uh, Gallows, Anderson, and... Uh, Uh, Styles come out to cut a promo on John Cena, Cena stand in the ring and basically uh, it comes down to uh, you know how was it Um, I'm going to beat up John Cena Oh, okay. I'm I'm trying to get to my exact tweet Um, but it became a hashtag that was was going pretty good was hashtag beat up John Cena and uh, they were talking about all the things they were going to do and you know, man, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go lift weights, and then I'm going to beat up John Cena. You know, I'm going to go have a big breakfast at the Waffle House. Uh, I'm going to turn on some music in my car, and then I'm going to go beat up John Cena. No. And uh, it was a very entertaining uh, very entertaining promo that turned into the hashtag beat up John Cena. Um, and that's exactly what they proceeded to do, was beat up John Cena. Uh, Enzo and Cass. You know, the two new guys who are making a really big uh, impact on the roster, they come out and get the save on John Cena. And we later find out we have a six-man tag team match at Battleground. It's the club versus Enzo, Cass, and John Cena. Yeah. Um, you know, Enzo and Cass are probably, God, they're as over as anybody right now. So that's, um, that, that's going to be a good match. That'll have a lot of excitement, a lot of hype for that one. And then Ed, right now the storyline that you would probably enjoy the most mm-hmm. um, is the uh, the ongoing um, saga between the Wyatt family, the returning Wyatt family, and the New Day.
1: Yeah, it seems kind of weird that they're afraid. That, like is Xavier, like afraid of them or something.
2: Well, I don't know so much if Xavier is afraid as is xavier actually taking them seriously oh, okay. because you no know, new day new day doesn't take much seriously nope. they're the very fun loving you know they love their video games and their unicorns and their bootios and making jokes and xavier's just not feeling it right now because you know he understands that this is this is the most dangerous thing that they've run up against um I don't know if WWE's teasing a breakup, teasing Xavier Turning on him. I don't know what. But it's got me intrigued since Bray Wyatt came back. I've been really I've been really digging what they're doing with Bray Wyatt.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Bray Wyatt had kind of gotten into a habit of, you know, he's great on the mic, but he had gotten into kind of talking so much in code. Or, you know, so much, he was kind of talking like so much, uh, like trying to be a little too spooky mm-hmm. and a little too weird that it just wasn't resonating what he was saying. He's cut back on that a little bit. He's kind of streamlined it. And it's just been really good right now. Really good. And we're leading up to, I don't know, some, we're going to have some kind of match, obviously, between those two uh, when we get to Battleground. Mm-hmm. Um I think this could be the SummerSlam uh, program that they get into. I'm excited to see it. Like I am really, really happy with what Bray Wyatt's doing right now. And um, the New Day, those guys, just anything they touch is turning to gold. And uh, right now with Xavier Woods being freaked out, it's, uh, it's adding a new dimension to the New Day. So, uh, I, I, you know, it wasn't the greatest raw this week, mm-hmm. uh, July fourth. You know, you knew they weren't. They knew they weren't going to have great viewership on July the fourth, but I thought it had good, really good moments. Okay, really good moments. So, right. um, uh, we'll see what happens the next couple weeks, getting ready for Battleground. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where we're going right now with some things. Yep. So, uh, so raw. Feels so good.
1: I hope we had some good moments in this, the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 114, for you guys this week. Uh, we will be back next week for another great episode when we break down the Euro 2016 finals. It seems like we just, you know, a short time ago, were getting so excited about Copa America and Euro, and now they're both coming to an end. Copa is already finished, Euro is about to be done, and then it's. The Olympics and when we see who survives the Hunger Games in Rio.
2: Jesus Christ. It's literally gonna turn into a battle for actual survival.
1: Kind of, yeah, sort of. Um, and that is that is depressing. Uh but we would like to thank you all for joining us here this week. We would like to thank uh NGSE Sports that's presenting this podcast and our new sponsors. I'm Next USA. No matter what your talent or skill, there's someone out there you strive to be like. Uh, if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school, break into the movie industry, sign with the music producer, promote your art, or simply display your talent for the world to see, this is the platform for you. It's at imnextusa.com. And no, they do not have a weird couch for you to sit on during the interview process.
2: At least it's not a casting couch.
1: Exactly. That's, that was the joke I was going for. Thank you for... Explaining the joke Oh okay It's fine <laughs> Subtlety This
2: can come out in editing right
1: Oh it, everything can come out in editing <laughs> Come out
3: There
1: you go oh, So uh, we also would like to thank uh, You know again NGSC Sports You can find them on Twitter at NGSC Sports Find I'm Next USA at that Twitter uh, You can find us uh, At AFA Pod you
2: at West Bradshaw uh, twenty
1: one. I'm at Edward Green. I'm still playing League of Legends. Come find me. I'm Hybrid eighty eight. I am not very good at Lux. Expect nothing from me. Expect less. Um, f- yeah, you missed that discussion last week. I'm sorry. I- I'll live. I'm sure you will. Uh, you can also find us via our sister show, The All New Sports Show, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Mail us, 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, 27804. Finally, we'd like to thank our podcast providers, podbean.com, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, the iTunes Music Store, and Google Play, and wherever you guys are able to listen to this podcast. So, Wes, anything to add before we get out of here?
2: Um... Are we still on for Charlotte in three weeks? I hope so. Fantastic. I Bye. will uh, email him. Yeah. Inter Milan, whoever's actually going to be there, of their real players, yeah. get ready because the company is coming.
1: Oh, we're in the actual company. We're, we're probably healthier at this point than Vonsan Company. I'm sorry, Vonsan.
2: Oh, I hope Tomas Holmuller is there.
1: Yeah, me too. So I can oh. throw an egg at him. So, from my call in crime, literally, that's Wes Bradshaw. I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affairs Podcast. We will catch you guys next week. I would say enjoy Germany, France, but it's literally already happened. So uh, enjoy the finals. That'll be fun.
2: Good night, Jurgen. Good night, sleep. We've got three days.
1: Oh, yeah. Anyway, we also didn't get to talk about the Wijnaldum signing, but I mean, I rambled on about it last week, so it's fine.
2: And,
1: your song. <coughs> and we also uh, we didn't mention the uh, the Sevilla coach. I mean, again, it was last week, but the Sevilla coach taking over PSG for long. I actually thought that was a really good move. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's won they, trophies.
2: For what they have available, mm-hmm. now all they have to do is just uh, get knocked out of the group stages of the Champions League and guarantee to win Europe.
0: Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSESports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.